What do you say to the person who asks you to choose between the dendrobium and the phalaenopsis? Well, you've put me in an orchid situation. Welcome to episode 69 of On The Ledge podcast and apologies for my appalling joke to open the show. I'm Jane Perrone, your host, and we're here to talk about our favourite subject. Yes, indeed, houseplants. This week, I'm giving you an updated tour around my kitchen plants and also some plants in my sunroom. And I'm talking to an expert about adenium that's desert rose seeds and what to do with them once you've got some. Just a reminder, early doors, that there's no episode next week, the 26th. I'll be back in your ears on the 2nd of November with a special recording of my live show, which is taking place at the RHS London Urban Garden Show on the 26th of October at 8pm. If you can make it in person to that event, you'll hear me talking to Alice Fowler about our mutual houseplant obsession. And I'll also be chatting to horticulturist Rob Stakovitz about his installation at the show, which shows how bioluminescence in plants leaves works fascinating stuff but don't worry if you can't make it in person you'll be able to listen to the recording the following friday also a heads up for patreon subscribers there's a new episode of an extra leaf up now number 16 which is tommy tonsberg talking about his hoya collection and some of his favorite species And remember, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, it's easy to become one. You just need to donate five bucks a month or more to get access to my extra content and become a legend. See the show notes for details. And now is a great time to sign up because I'm planning to send all my legends, my Patreon subscribers, a little Christmas thank you in the mail. The exact nature of which will be a surprise, but I know you'll like it. So sign up by mid-November to make sure you're on Santa Perone's list. And if you're an existing legend, do remember to add your postal address to your Patreon account to make sure you're getting your delivery. I'll include a link in the show notes explaining how to do this. And if you want to give a one-off donation, that's great too. Thanks to Baylor who did that this week. And you can find out how to donate via co-fi.com. Again, in the show notes, it's as simple as that. All the info's there for you. Anyone who's religiously listened to every episode will remember that I gave you a kitchen houseplant tour back in episode 38. But as I tend to do, a lot of the plants have moved around and about. And so I thought I'd bring you another tour of that area, plus some of my sunroom plants. And bonus, I'm going to be putting a video on YouTube, which will show exactly what I've got as well as talking about them. And where do you find me on YouTube? Well, quite simply, I'm youtube.com forward slash Jane Perone. But for the moment, for the delight of your ears only, here's me in my kitchen. I hope that my dulcet tones manage to drown out the background noise of the passing rubbish lorry, the dog and the clock ticking loudly so you can focus on me talking about my plants. So one of the great things about this kitchen is that although it's north facing, there's a big Velux window in the roof and another window at the back and an open doorway to the sunroom. So there's tons of light coming in the back of the kitchen. So it's a great place for growing so many plants. And as you can imagine, I take full advantage of that. 
So on the windowsill, I've got one, two, I've got five streptocarpus growing at the minute. They're just at the end of their flowering period now. So they're starting to look a little bit impressive than they have done, but they just keep going and going and going. These are big plants, as you'll see if you watch the video. Um, so I do take off quite a lot of these massive leaves if they get a bit miserable looking after a while. And during the winter, they tend to go into a bit of a dormant period and stop flowering. But this is just the end of that peak period and they really are easy to look after. They just need uh, water every couple of weeks when they get really dry and not to be overwatered because that's the easiest way to make these fellows wilt and rot away. Uh, I've also got two hanging containers on the wall. Now, the trouble I had getting these hung up is considerable which is why the bottom one is still a bit wonky because I daren't take it off and try to reattach it. These are Ikea containers I think they're meant as shower caddies so they've got holes in the bottom now I put some uh, old rags in the bottom to make sure that no soil or water comes through to onto the fruit bowl below but at this time of year I've got phalaenopsis in these because it's too hot in the sun summer to have phalaenopsis here but in the winter they are absolutely perfect they're getting lots of light and they are in a nice airy humid environment so they sit there quite nicely doing their thing they should start to reflower fairly soon and every week or so i bring them down to give them a good watering the other corner of the kitchen i'll head over here that's got the most plants is this shelving system which used to be a doorway into the understairs cupboard but is now a set of shelves and it's got a lot of plants on here at the minute at the top i've got a trough which contains three different plants um i was inspired by james wong to try this and it's working really well so no drainage here and the pot is about 12 centimeters deep i would say um, and it contains these plants and they're watered probably about once every two weeks if you underwater it's not a problem if you overwater you have got a problem when you've got no drainage uh, on the left here we've got the lovely pelionia repens the watermelon begonia i think it's called which is kind of crazy because it's not a begonia um, it's a lovely trailing plant it's flowering at the moment with this incredible spike topped with these tiny, tiny little uh, bobbly flowers. Um, it's a very, very beautiful trailing plant with lovely dark green leaves with a central paler green flash across them. And it's growing so well in this situation. It's next to the back door. So again, more light coming through there, keeping these plants happy. Um, anything that likes bright but indirect light will be okay here. And it's close to this door. It's only probably about to one foot to three foot away depending on which side of the shelf you're on so these plants are getting plenty of light which is great next to the little trough oh i haven't told you about the other things in the trough i've got a pilea microphylla which is a tiny tiny leaved pilea it's the leaves are absolutely minuscule but there are loads of them um, and it's a little clumping plant which is rather good um, as a ground cover in these kind of containers and then next to that a Pothos enjoy. Uh, this one is rather small because people kept asking me for cuttings of it and being me I ended up with a rather small plant because I've taken so many bits off it but it's it's okay it's regrowing so that's fine. Next to that Calicia elegans the pinstripe uh, Tradescone scrantia family plant. This is a really lovely plant 
I love the pinstripe dark and pale stripes that it has and it's it's really easy I kind of neglected this plant really badly and, and didn't water it enough but as soon as I moved it here and started watering it more it's responding with some really great growth I've taken some cuttings and I can use that to bulk out the pot next a mystery orchid I bought this orchid and I can't now remember what the label said if it said anything oftentimes these labels aren't very useful I think it might be a Miltonia. I'm not sure. I'd love somebody to identify it for me, but do take a look at this plant on my YouTube video because it's got the most beautiful vintage pot that it's in. So do check out my nice pot. And if you've got an ID, I'd love to know it. Uh, below that, we've got another trough. This one's not quite so successful. The plants aren't quite in balance, but I'm gonna have a, a re-go at it in the springtime. Tranescantia spathacea is basically taking over everything. Um, I've got a Calathea macoyana, which is a baby, very small baby, which is doing fine, but it's it's the spathacea is really going a bit crazy. And I've got a bit of a sad specimen of Peperomia prostrata, which really needs moving somewhere else. And another one of Pelionia uh, elegans, I think that one is, um, which is doing okay. Not too bad. Uh, again, like the first trough, this is mulched with gnat nix, which is the fungus gnat prevention mulch, uh, which seems to work pretty well, helps keep moisture in. And again, this is only watered every couple of weeks or so, even less in the winter. Then we've got my Pilea peperomioides. Yes, this is the original plant that started me off on when I did my episode on this plant way, way back last year. It's been my stunt plant this summer. <laughs> I've been throwing it across the room. What this means is that I've been taking this with me to plant talks to show people and it got a little bit battered. So it's been suffering a little bit. I'm now trying to keep it happy with uh, wick watering and uh, lots of love and it seems to be responding pretty well. Next to that, an Epipremnum aureum cutting, Devil's Ivy, which is as juicy and tough as these plants ever are. Uh, it, I want to train, train this up a moss pole. I've taken some cuttings so that I can have a more bushy uh, pot full of plants and it's, it's growing well. It's in a terracotta pot, which is unusual for me, but it's good because it keeps it weighed down and stops it falling off and getting top heavy. Um, the only other plant that's on here is Peperomia incana. This is such an easy plant. Why are we not all growing it? Um, it's a sort of, it goes out sideways. It's sort of a diagonal grower with these amazing heart-shaped uh, furry gently fuzzy leaves. Uh, if you remember, do you remember fuzzy felt? Uh, those uh, kits you put together and make pictures with? Well, this is living fuzzy felt and it's a really lovely plant. And again, this was a listener uh, plant swap and I really love this one because it's just so easy. I just don't do anything to it apart from chuck some water at it occasionally. Then let's go down to the bottom shelf, which is kind of propagation corner. Um, these are things that have been sitting here for a while and most of them need potting up or sending off to the people that I've promised them to. I've got some string of hearts cuttings which have rooted really really easily. This is a really easy plant to root I should say. So if you want to make your string of hearts more bushy because oftentimes you see them with only a couple of strands this is a great way of doing it. Just put some cuttings into some water and let them root. I've also got my coleus here, which will probably sit here until springtime with some plant food added into them. And I've also got, uh, what else have I got in here? It's a, it's a, 
loads of different things growing in the same thing. Oh, just to say, these are in milk bottles. So I have a milk deli- milkman um, and he delivers my milk in milk bottles. So I use these as um, propagation vessels. They're great because they're heavy, they don't fall over, they're narrower at the top um, and they are fantastic for uh, propagating loads of plants. Right, what else have we got? Well, the other side of the kitchen is actually where I mostly prepare food. So there's not a massive amount of plants on here. I've just got three at the minute, two pepper, well, three peperomias and one Christmas cactus. One of the peperomias I don't have an identification for. It's one of those ones I bought in Morrison's for a pound on a whim. So if anyone can ID that for me, then I'd love to know. I've got a tiny weeny Peperomia caparata russo from, I think this might have been from Plant Junkie as a swap. It's adorable and tiny. It's so cute. So uh, I love that one. And I've also got a watermelon Peperomia, which is still a baby, but that's growing really nicely too. And I love having a few plants there. They kind of, they they help to sort of... uh, provide me with inspiration when I'm doing some cooking and they also kind of cover up ugly plugs and things like that. And the final corner to look at is by the sink and these are my sort of high maintenance propagation plants. These are things that I'm propagating that I need to keep close eye on and again they're in milk bottles plus I have a nice propagation vessel which I bought from a local gift shop. Uh, You can find that on my Instagram account if you want to take a look at that. And all the plants here are doing absolutely fine some are rooted some are still waiting to get their full roots but i can keep an eye on them while i'm doing the washing up and know when their time comes to move well that's the kitchen tour done it's my coffee time now so i'll be back shortly with more bye when facing a family law matter it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Right, houseplant fans, it's time for question of the week. So the question this week was definitely outside my realm of experience. So I decided to call in somebody who knows a bit more about this plant than I do. Uh, The question comes from Instagram, somebody called, um, I can't even pronounce their Instagram name, Zave. I'm going to call you Zave, Zave. I hope that's okay. Um, And your question was, I'm wondering if you have ever grown a denium, and if so, has it ever produced a seed pod? My baby produced two pods earlier this year, and I looked up what to do to save the seed pods, but that didn't go well. Now again, I have six pods. Any advice on round two of saving the pods? So the adenium or desert rose, this is a plant I have, but I can't claim to have any great success with it. So I've called upon British Cactus and Succulent Society chairman, Ian Thwaites. I always get the, the the big wigs of the cactus and succulent world onto my show to help me answer this question. Hello, Ian. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Jane. I've grown this plant. I haven't managed to get it to flower. My adenium is not particularly happy. It just sort of sits there looking a bit miserable most of the time, apart from in spring when it seems to have a flush of growth. So I really am not an expert in this plant and I've never had seed pods. And this is one of these examples where, you know, the internet can be a bit of a 
a a blessing and a curse because you go online and you read all these different pieces of advice and you're not quite sure what to do. So can you offer Zave some guidance on what to do with these seed pods, Ian? I can indeed. Um, Adeniums, they have lovely, lovely flowers and they really are probably suited to being a houseplant. Um, Lots of my fellow collectors don't find them particularly easy. And I think that's because they like a little bit more warmth and water than a lot of the normal cacti and succulents would grow. Um, When you're lucky enough to have a seed pod set, and they're not the easiest things to pollinate yourself with a paintbrush, um, better with um, insects if they can do it, Um, you get a horn, which is um, almost like two fingers being stuck up, but in a very polite way. (laughs) Okay. And then the, the seed pods will split naturally and all the seeds are attached to a little parachute so the slightest breeze and they float away a little bit like dandelions although the seeds are that much bigger okay so there are a few requirements particularly if you're growing it in a greenhouse or somewhere where there might be quite a a little bit of air movement most people like opening their windows so the first thing to think about is maybe you can use a little bit of wool and just tie the seed pods two or three places down the length of the seed pod. So when you see it does split, it doesn't open fully and all the fly, all these seeds float away. But the other thing you can do, which I'm, it tends to be my preferred method, is that I go on the hunt for people's used tights and I cut the feet off. <laughs> and if you put a used tight over it and then just it allows air through it, and then when they split open, you can see it all going fluffy inside. And then you can take the seeds out. Um, okay. Oh, that's really interesting. It's amazing how many use, uses gardeners find for used tights. They're one of the most uh, good good things to have uh, for re- reusing in the garden, I find. I use uh, one to put on the downpipe of my one of my water butts, which tends to get um, stuck with lots of uh, moss from the roof and things. And all of the uh, debris goes into the tights and then every so often I empty it. So yay for, <laughs> yay for used tights. Yeah, indeed. Um, so once, once, so you leave them on the plant until they, you know, in some way protect them with your, with your tights. Um, and then once they've exploded, then you've got the seeds trapped and you can then harvest them. What you need to do, you need to take off the flying mechanism, the fluffy bit, because if you leave that attached to the seed and when you sow it, it, it tends to attract mildew and, you know, it just doesn't help. So if you just separate the seeds and they come apart very, very easily and you have little seeds which are um, probably about a third of a centimetre long, maybe a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, and they're little pencil-shaped seeds. Now, the seeds on the denium are notoriously short-lived. They don't last very long. So the, the best thing to do with them is probably this time of year, my, my plants, is, seed pod has just recently split, and I chased the seeds around the greenhouse because I didn't practice what I preach. <laughs> the best thing to do is I've stored mine in an envelope in a cool position, and I'm going to sow them probably February, March next year. And you need to sow them in a heated propagator and the way i do it is mix up a standard compost um one part grit or perlot to two parts compost 
I don't get on very well with John in, so I tend to use, um, I shouldn't say it, but it's an organic type compost. I'm not allowed to say peat these days, but um, if you get the drift. Um, and rather than everyone tells you to scatter cacti and succulent seeds on the top, I don't. I push my seeds just, if they're pencil shaped, I just push them so the top is flush with the compost. And I keep the compost just damp. It's heated in a propagator. And you should get germination probably within two to three weeks, I would think. It's been a while since I've grown them, but they're not that slow to germinate. When they get going, then um, you can put the pots that you've sown them in in a polythene bag to help retain um, humidity. Right. Well, that sounds all very straightforward, and perhaps that's something that Zave can do for our On The Ledge sew-along next spring. That sounds straightforward. I would love those, Ian, some tips for keeping my adenium, my desert rose, looking better because it's pretty miserable and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It's interesting that you say it needs more warmth and water than a lot of cacti and succulents. Mine has been outside for the summer. I haven't brought it in yet, but I will. I mean, it's been in a greenhouse. It hasn't been outside, outside. Um, but it, I never seem to get it looking happy. So maybe I need to water it more. I think it's probably a little bit of adding more water. They they green up and they do respond to feed quite quickly. So okay. um, they're almost a little bit of a thuggish plant and they're very, very popular in the Far East. And mine seems to be, I haven't repotted mine since I got it, and it seems to be potted uh, in a sort of, it almost looks like orchid compost, a very sort of, free open kind of thing and i'd have no idea if that's the right stuff for 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 the adenium um i would just suggest any fairly rich compost with you know added grit and perlite even up to 50 percent right a lot of uh, growers now put them in 100 percent mineral soils and feed regularly um they like a little bit of warmth they do like the warmth and they do like um, a fair amount of water and food when they're growing Okay, and what about during the winter, coming now into into the winter time here in the UK? Should I sort of, I mean, I'm going to bring it inside. Should I repot it now, or should I wait till spring? Do you think? I'd probably wait till spring, let it dry out, and then um, I, I'm a great believer in talking to your plants, not because they actually understand what I'm saying, but when you have a conversation with people, unless it's on the phone, you tend to look at them, and I look at my plants when I'm talking to them, and when I see it wanting to grow, I will water it. And when I see it slowing down, I will reduce the water. And will it lose its foliage over the winter time? Will it will it sort of go a bit dormant and? Mine tend to. I tend to give mine a fairly dry rest during the winter. Um, they're in my warm greenhouse, so they are warmer than the house generally. So, and that's only because my wife likes fresh air. <laughs> well, that is excellent advice, Ian. I'm sorry, this has turned slightly into uh, Jane Perone's question about uh, adeniums, but I hope that that's helped also helped Zave to know what to do with their seed pods. And I'm, I think I'm with that advice. Hopefully I'll be able to get mine in a better state next year and get some flowers off mine because uh, they, they are very, very beautiful plants and they're all over Instagram. And I should mention that you, as well as being chairman of the BCSS, are also a professional uh, photographer. And it's definitely worth having a look at Ian's Instagram, which is botanical photographer. I'll include that in the show notes. But there are some fantastic pictures of cacti and succulents on your feed, Ian. Some real delights on there. I'm afraid most of them are just uh, phone pictures, I will say. Um, I tend to do Instagram on my phone, so when I'm out and about, 
I quite enjoy just playing. Oh, well, it still looks fantastic. And in fact, I think I've just actually seen an Adenium on there. So um, it's definitely worth having you look at your account. And um, tell us again, Ian, why we should all be joining the BCSS just while we're here. Give you a plug. Well, the BCSS is a uh, society dedicated to growing cacti and succulents. And we have a conservation arm. We try and give money to help protect the plants in the world. But we produce a really, really good magazine four times a year. But we have a, a network of branches so you can go along, meet like-minded individuals and enthusiasts and generally just um, enjoy the hobby and get more out of it. And the wonderful thing is when you meet people, other enthusiasts, you tend not to have to buy plants because people will give you plants and cuttings. Yes, it's a very generous world. And and your seed scheme is also fantastic if you don't have any um cactus seeds to harvest yourself you can uh, sign up for the seed scheme and get uh, lots of different cactus and succulent seeds very very cheaply which is uh, a wonderful way of adding to your collection so uh, i highly recommend uh, that people have a look at joining uh, thank you so much ian that is brilliant that's really helped me and i'm sure it's helped zave as well so thank you very much for that great advice that's a pleasure thank you jane if you have a question for On The Ledge Podcast, then hit me up, on the ledge podcast at gmail.com. You can also drop me a line on Instagram where I'm j.l.perone or send a message via Facebook or my website, janeperone.com. Well, now part two of the houseplant tour. This time we're in the sunroom, aka the playroom, looking at some of the trailing plants that hang down in the archway between that, that room and the dining room. So here in the playroom again, we have loads of light, which is a brilliant uh, feature of this room, a big glass ceiling all the way across. So there's loads of natural light, but again, it's north facing, so not a lot of blaring sun. Um, this room has quite a few plants in it. If you go to my Instagram stories at j.l.perone, you'll see a video of some of my coleus, which are on the desk, crowding out uh, anything else on there. Um, I've done a video of the coleus pruning that I showed in the last episode because some of you wanted to actually see what I did. So go and have a look at my Instagram stories at j.l.perone. If you look under pruning, you will find that short set of videos explaining how it's done. Let's have a look at the rest of the room, though. We've got a lot of plants uh, in the archway above the room dividing, where the room divides uh, off to the dining room. The dining room is quite dark so there's not any plants in there at the moment although I'm hoping to change that with some grow lights soon but for the minute all the plants are hanging above on a shelf above the arch of this room and we'll start with the lovely Monstera adansonii which is such a hungry plant if your adansonii is looking a bit miserable then do give it a feed because this one really does like lots of fertilizer this one's hanging down quite nicely. I've had it about a year and I've taken loads of cuttings of it. I've got two big strings of pearls, which I talk about in uh, my Trailing Plants Week episode. I've also got a lovely Hoya linearis, another plant that I look at in that episode. Now, that one is next to a columnea, which is uh, a trailing plant that I got in a cutting from James Wong from that episode. And I've got a satin pothos, although it's not looking particularly happy. What's up with you, satin pothos? 
I don't really know. I need to check that one out. I've also got a philodendron Brazil cutting and this is looking really rather fine. Beautiful heart-shaped leaves with lime green splashes of colour on them. And this one's doing really rather nicely in its terracotta pot. I've also got dogs shifting around in the background. Thank you, dog. <laughs> um, I've also got some Phalaenopsis orchids uh, in a container up there, a Hoya carnosa, which I rescued from uh, my, myself, actually. I nearly killed this plant, and then I managed to bring it back from the dead. I don't quite know what happened, but the cutting that I took is now well-established and doing fine. And I've got a lovely long string of hearts which is trailing right down uh, to the lower level and making a mess everywhere uh, it's actually trailing down towards a trough that i made again inspired by mr james wong and this one's got the lovely begonia erythrosa in in it which is a beautiful big leaf chunky leaved um beefsteak begonia it's also got a calathea maui queen which is getting over a spider mite infestation in fact i need to do a bit more cleaning of those leaves to get rid of the last few and it's also got cyanotis somaliensis in here that's the pussy ears trailing plant but at the minute this one's growing up all oh, the dogs having a scratch now wolfie um, the Cyanotis somaliensis, which is a trailing plant, but at the minute it's just growing up because it's not quite tall enough to start trailing over the side of the pot. And my tro Stromanth triostar is here also. Um, it had spider mites over the summer and had a really good haircut, and now it's looking a bit happier. But as ever, as I always say with spider mites, you've got to keep going on and on and on to make sure that the plant is truly free of these little tiny beasts. Moving round, I have the coleus that I've already talked about on the desk and a lovely, finally lovely begonia maculata. Again, have a look at my Instagram stories for an explanation of how I use wick watering to keep this plant happy. It's one of those plants that you see on Instagram a lot and people struggle with it to keep it looking nice as it was when they bought it. But I've pretty much figured out to keep this plant happy now. I've got a nice Caleria, which is looking rather good, which has got a lovely green furry fuzzy leaf with a very slight red outline around the leaves, which is very beautiful. And my Begonia Listada, which again, like the Maculata, was looking really miserable, but in a self-watering pot, it's actually started to flower now. So this one's finally starting to look a bit happier. That constant moisture provided by the self-watering pot really is doing the trick. Oh, also just to mention, oh, knocking over the Lego box. Um, there's a lovely, well, it's finally becoming lovely, a German ivy, which was, came as a tiny cutting and was a bit tricky to establish. It's fine. That's finally starting to come good. It's worth bearing in mind when you have a cutting that's new, oftentimes it will not be brilliant from the start. You have to give it a bit of time and cosseting in order to get that plant looking good. It's got to establish a good root system. And once it's established a good root system, that will really help a plant to thrive. And then on the other side of the arch, we've got Kisneriad Corner. Those of you who follow me on Instagram may have seen this on my Instagram feed. So this is my area of of other Gisneriads other than Streptocarpus. It's quite a narrow shelf. There's not enormous amount of room, which is why it's ideal for things like my Petrocosmias and my Smithiantha, my new Smithiantha, which is Smithiantha extra sassy with beautiful 
green fuzzy leaves with a dark, dark maroon stippling on them. That plant's coming along really nicely. I got that from Shrubland Park Nurseries. Have a look on my Instagram feed also for Petrocosmia cryptica, which has the most amazing leaves. They very, have very long hairs on them and a beautiful slight variegation. It's a lovely tiny rosette that's good for small windowsills. And this little specimen is about to flower, which is so exciting. I've got another Petrocosmia, which is called something ridiculous. What are your, what's your name, Petrocosmia? <laughs> it's called something silly, and I've now forgotten what it is. Oh, Keystones Lafayette. Um, this one is doing okay. It's not as exciting as Cryptica, I have to say. The leaves are much more like uh, a dwarf African violet. Speaking of dwarf African violets, I do have one of those. It's called Max Black Jack, and it has some dark variegation on the leaves and maroon flowers. I haven't quite got the hang of this one yet. It's not entirely happy, but we'll persevere. What I have got the hang of is my Primulina Hisarco. My God, this is a beautiful plant. Amazing silver filigree variegation on the leaves and a lovely pale purple flower with a white and yellow throat that comes up on a long and delicate and elegant hairy stem. I love it. And then I've got my Epiceas, which were grown from seed for the sow along and which we talked about in the trading plants episode. These are also just have the most incredible variegation and they are actually growing in pots with no drainage grouped together. And so far they're doing all right there. I just give them a drop of water occasionally. They will need separating out at some point as the plants grow, however. So I need to keep an eye on those in the springtime as they start really uh, putting on some growth. So that's part of the sunroom. I will bring you the rest of the sunroom in another episode because uh, I have given you quite a lot of info there and I don't want to overwhelm you. But that's sunroom tour part one complete. Do go and have a look on YouTube so you can actually see the plants. And if you've got any questions, then do let me know and do check out the show notes where I'm going to include a full list of all the plants we've talked about today. wraps up this week's episode i will see you in two weeks time for episode number 70 bye the music you heard in this episode was roll jordan roll by the joy drops government funded weed by black ant and an instrument the boy called happy day gakana by samuel corwin all licensed under creative commons See my website for details.